another episode of the Superhero Movie Club. I'm your comic book cultured host, Michael Maurer, joined by the movie maestro, James Skyler Houtsma, and our gracious guest, Julia Walchuk. SHMC is your premier movie discussion podcast. Every week we continue our journey in exploring our favorite subject, superhero movies, from angles you may never have looked at them before. That includes their source books, budget, music, and even the science. This week, we hope you join us as we journey into the works of Mark Miller, comics, and movies. And yes, there will be spoilers. But first, let's welcome Julia Walchuk to the podcast. Yay! Hey, hi. Julia, tell us a little about, uh, about yourself. Uh, so I'm Julia. I read a lot of comics, and I write a lot about comics, and that's pretty much my life right now. <laughs> Where do you write about comics? I write on comicsbulletin.com, and then I also have my own blog at splashpagecomics.com. Okay, and now this is a this is a blog for up and like recent comics that come out. Yeah, for the most part. So Splash Page is all um, stuff that's come out in like I write about it right before it comes out for the week, and then I also have someone who writes about web comics on there. And then Comics Bulletin, we kind of do a little bit of everything on there. Wonderful. I know, I mean, I, I typically talk about comic books things, but I don't keep up w- with enough new stuff at all. I read the yeah. history books. <laughs> so you definitely know way more than I do about whatever's going on at what. Julia, why don't you start us off with this this Mark Miller podcast. We're going to be going through all of the movies that have been made that are based on a work written solely and created by Mark Miller, drawn by various others, of course. But that includes four titles, Wanted, Kick-Ass, Kick-Ass 2, and Kingsman, The Secret Service. These were all movies that Mark Miller was a producer on, uh, because, of course, he wrote the comic books that they are based on. But go ahead and give us I don't I don't know what you prepared, Julia, so just surprise me. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Mark Miller. Mark Miller is uh, an interesting person to me because my first experience with Mark Miller was kick-ass, and this was in high school. <laughs> and my boyfriend at the time was very nice and was like, oh, Julia likes comics. I'm going to get her a comic. Uh, so he got me kick-ass, and I read it, and I absolutely hated it just despised (laughs) oh my gosh it was the worst and I felt so bad because he had been so nice to like take the time to find this for me but it literally made me like panicky like it was terrible so that was my first experience with Mark Miller um I think that a huge part of why that happened was because I was young and naive and had not really experienced the grittier side of comics yet so then later I watched the kick-ass movie uh, when I was a little bit older and a little more worldly. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and I actually really liked the movie. I enjoyed it a, a lot more than the comic, but it still, it really bothers me that, and I'm blanking on her name right now, but the little girl, Kit the fact girl? that, yeah, the fact that she's 10 and the, her dad's like teaching her to be an assassin. It just, oh my gosh, that bothers me so much because it's such, <laughs> it's terrible parenting. And more than anything else, that I've ever read by Mark Miller, that fact bothers me. But yeah, so then since then, I have read not actually the ones, many of the movie ones. I've read Chrononauts, which interestingly enough, before the first issue even was published, it got picked up for a movie. Oh, um, is it being made into a movie now? 
It is. Yep. It oh, just, wow. it got picked. Like, it's so silly. Before the first issue came out, it got picked up for a movie deal. But yeah, so I'm, I've been reading that one and I read Red Sun, which I actually really like Red Sun. And that's why Miller is so difficult for me because like, I generally hate everything he does except for Red Sun. So. Oh, everything? <laughs> I mean, okay. There were some good moments in Chrononauts. It was okay. But just none of it has made me want to read more, you know, like, I'm not going to the comic book store looking for a new book and I'm like, oh, Mark Miller has something cool. I'm going to pick that up. No, that's not. <laughs> I've never had that feeling at all. I will yeah. echo that sentiment. Well, <laughs> come on. We got to have some positive light. Otherwise, why are we doing this, guys? <laughs> okay. Again, like I said, writer. Red Sun was amazing. I don't know what happened with that book, but it was so good. So, you know, <laughs> the, it's not... The book where Superman is based on, uh, what is he, born in Ukraine instead of Kansas? Uh, he, okay, so... Well, he was born on his alien planet, but then he um, he lands in Russia and becomes like a symbol for communism. And it's just fantastic. Basically, it's okay. First of all, is it Mark Miller or is it Mark Millar? I'm pretty sure it's Miller, but I think everybody wants to call him Millar to separate him from Frank Miller. So a little bit about Mark Miller. I mean, he's a Scottish comic book writer. Uh, he's, he's known for writing some big books, inc- including... Uh, like Ultimate Fantastic Four, the Civil War run by Marvel Comics, and the Ultimates run in the mm-hmm. Ultimate Marvel Universe. He's won. He's been nominated for um, a few Eisners and such. And of course, it just seems that a lot of his independent works get picked up and put into films. I don't know what it is about this guy, but it seems like almost every independent comic this guy has wrote, it's been put into a film. I feel like at this point... His comics read like he knows that he's going to be picked up for a movie. Like, it's almost like he has this sort of, I don't know how you can do this in a comic, but there's just this sort of underlying feeling that he knows that what he's writing is going to be famous and is going to be read no matter what it is. So he doesn't even have to try anymore. (laughs) So the first experience we get with this is the film Wanted came out in 2008 uh, Skyward, who directed that one? Uh, directed by Timur Bekmambetov. Awesome. I, yeah. <laughs> also known as the director of Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. <laughs> oh, for a second I thought you were just going to say Lincoln. But Wanted, when Mark Miller wrote that comic book, it is – let's just talk about the comic book first before we get into the movie. Uh, it's about – it's a six-issue series, and I know, Julia, did you get around to reading it? Uh, I did not because, again, I thought about it and I like looked at it and tried to make myself read it and I just couldn't get myself to read it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it is a bit of a push because I, um, I do like a, lot, a fair amount of what Miller has put out, but Wanted does not fall into that category. It is really, really raunchy. And when I finished it, I was like, why did I read that? <laughs> so basically, it's a, it's a book that dealt with supervillain mythos. It's a bit meta in its explanation. It starts out the same way the movie does, where you have this sniveling hy- hypochondriac guy who's being thrown into an extraordinary situation. But instead of a fraternity of assassins, as it is in the film, in the book it's based on a fraternity of supervillains. And he joins this supervillain society who have managed to take over the world and make everyone in the world forget that there were ever superheroes to begin with, including the superheroes, and the only remnants of superheroes are comic books. 
It has a lot of callbacks to DC characters, but it doesn't call them DC characters. Like, by their DC character names, they all have different, more adult version names. Like, there's a Clayface character that's called Shithead. Why? Like, yeah. why is that necessary? And he's made up of 100% excrement of 666 of the most evil people on the world. <laughs> Now, you say adult, I say juvenile and stupid, <laughs> but we'll just have to agree to disagree on that okay. one. Um, and then, well, I also like the name for the Bizarro character, the Superman dumb clone that speaks backwards. In this book, he's called Fuckwit. Yeah, you get a little chuckles out of just like Mark Miller's sense of humor sometimes, but other times it does step its bounds. It's kind of like a guy you, you want to be friends with, but sometimes he just really gets on your nerves. But the book is uh, it's just a journey of Wesley becoming a man and getting over all of his hypochondriatic tendencies. And at the end of it, he's sort of, you know, takes a shot at the audience. Like I quit my job. I'm making more money than I ever knew. Like, what have you done with your life? And it's like, really? You're a supervillain and you're yelling at me through a comic book, Mark Miller. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, man. I don't, I can't, because he's just has this natural, his, his supervillain ability is to, like, kill things really, really good. And, and that's like, he never knew he could do that until he, he held a gun. So I'm like, well, maybe if I could kill people super really, really good, I might have your life, but I don't know if I want it because you're crazy. Yeah, I was going to say, is his. Is his superpower just being super patronizing or what? <laughs> well, it's just the very end of the book. He just takes a quick little epilogue shot to like breaks the fourth wall for a little bit. And you're kind of like, was that necessary? And the ending of the book didn't even make that much sense. I don't even want to explain it because I can't. Honestly, I can't. So let's talk about the film Wanted. And it's pretty different. Skylar, take it away. Okay, so Movie of Wanted is quite a bit different. It uh, ditches the supervillain aspects for more just kind of a League of Assassins thing. But it still touches on the whole thing of uh, predestiny, you know, predestination, all that fun stuff. Instead of having all these wacky characters, you get Angelina Jolie bending bullets and Morgan Freeman (laughs) saying motherfucker, which is... my god. (laughs) The moment where you just, you just, Morgan Freeman, like, reveals himself in the film as the evil bad guy behind everything, and he goes, you motherfuckers, and (laughs) just lose your shit. (laughs) I can't help but feel like they had to pre-plan that scene like nothing about that is natural he had to work himself up to that (laughs) i've never seen angry morgan freeman no um ben isn't here but he would like to say curving a bullet is bullshit yes i don't remember (laughs) if we've talked about this before on the cast but if this ever got brought up but i've always been curious like what's the deal with wanted and bending bullets it's like you can't bend a bullet through a gun ever in any way shape or possible don't think too hard about it whatever whatever you reason you've developed in your head for why you can't bend a bullet it's probably right (laughs) just music note that i just wanted to throw in danny elfman does the music to this and i think he actually wrote and sang a song for it (laughs) (laughs) exactly the song is called the little things okay and it's i want to say in the end credits what was the – did they give a name to the super ability in Wanted? It was just um, called – it was just boosting your adrenaline so that, like, time would slow down in your perception? 
that was basically their explanation of it. I don't think they went as far to name it. So yeah. I'm just trying to remember because like that was there was still like a super heroic aspect, but Mark Miller has a has a has a running theme that he loves taking starting out with these these small characters, these little nerdy characters, and turning just transforming them by the end of his books. Yeah. That is like his I don't know, I think it speaks a lot about what he thinks of himself. <laughs> I, I would say so. The most memorable thing about this movie for me, actually, because it's been a while since I watched it because I felt no need to sit down with it again recently. But I think probably the very last scene of the movie is James McAvoy, who plays Wesley in this movie, takes a keyboard and smashes it into Chris Pratt's face the keys fly off and say, fuck you. <laughs> and then he does that patronizing shit where he's like, what have you done today? Yeah, he's like, I broke up with my girlfriend. I killed my old boss. What have you done? It's like, okay. oh, no, no, it's all about taking con- – I'll take, take that back. It's The theme is taking control of your life because it's you know letting living in an office dictate you letting your controlling girlfriend dictate you. And as soon as you have a taste of freedom, a.k.a. – being an assassin you 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 be, you enter yourself you that's a weird way to freaking phrase it <laughs> phrasing you become yourself you become what you've wanted to be but were always held back because you never had the courage to take control i <laughs> wanted to be oh you got me all right i'm gonna close off wanted with that note movie i've honestly crazy. i've never heard of this movie until you asked me to be on this podcast i'd never heard of it before yeah, but I think I'm a, I think I'm rare in that regard. All right, let's get yeah. to Kick-Ass. Kick-Ass is Mark Miller's second outing with films, made in two, two years later in 2010. Just, yeah, just to let the, the listeners know, like, Mark Miller did not, like, make these films. He was just, like, a producer, and it's based on his works. But the Kick-Ass comic book is very analogous with the movie, and it's much of the same storyline. You know, a kid who's obsessed with superheroes wonders why people have never tried to become vigilantes. In real life, they would die. But for for the sake of the story, this kid manages to not die at every turn. He does get his ass beat a lot, but he doesn't die. There are a couple divergencies that are worth note in the Kick-Ass comic. Two big things. At least I think they're big. And number one, Big Daddy is slightly different. So you have Hit Girl and Big Daddy who are like the legit vigilantes of the world, taking down mob bosses. And in the movie, Big Daddy's got this vendetta against mob bosses because they killed his wife, right? In the book, they use that as the first story, but then they tell you it's not true. They tell you that Big Daddy lied about that, so that he could convince his little daughter to train with him to become a superhero, and he's been funding their superhero vigilante efforts on a briefcase filled with expensive vintage comics. Oh, that's much worse. Yeah, it's really sad. (laughs) Which is why I was so upset with the whole thing with Hit Girl in the comic, because it's just dumb i mean it's just so frustrating that big daddy does that and i just could not handle it it is frustrating i say the book is is pretty fun action wise i like it you know kick ass's action scenes are pretty cool just how torn up his costume can get but (laughs) some of the themes it's just like mark miller loves putting comic book nerds in his books yeah 
all the time. And also, Big Daddy, like, what kind of a name is that for a character? (laughs) (laughs) It's so... Well, I mean, what would... Okay, Julia, what would you call... If you had to rename Big Daddy, what would you call him? Um... Something cooler. <laughs> Social <laughs> services' worst nightmare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the second thing is in the movie you have the typical guy gets girl uh, set. You know, I'm a superhero vigilante. Can't you dig my wetsuit? And in the book, what's her? Katie Dukesma. Is yeah. That the character's name. D- Dawexma. I don't know how to pronounce that. <laughs> Katie. It, there's the whole. There's the the plot line where Dave pretends to be gay so that he can be closer to his crush, Katie, and then later reveals that he's not gay and that he's actually kick-ass. And in the movie, they make out and have sex and have a good time and whatever. But in the book, she tells him to fuck off for being a creep and um, sends him a picture of her committing fellatio acts on her boyfriend to, you know, sort of put the nail on the coffin on what she thinks of him lovely which is a which, little yeah it's a little fucked up it's a little fucked up but it's also <laughs> i kind of appreciate that because the idea of the fact like in the movie when they just they get together and everything's great yay that's a little ridiculous uh so while this ending also is ridiculous i i like the idea behind it i like that they don't get together now tell me Julia, put yourself in this scenario. How would you react if one of your friends who was near you said, um, I've been pretending to be gay for six months, uh, but I really, really like you? I would be upset. <laughs> that would be, I mean, that's just such a, like, if you really, really like someone, why would you lie for six months? Like, how are you ever going to trust that person after that? It's true. It's, yeah. I mean, like, you can't start your relationship going, you know, I... Well, I guess you think there's a girl out there that might take that as sweet? I'm sure there is, but I don't know. I don't, like... It can't be healthy. I mean, what, like, why Why could he not just be like, oh, I want to get closer to this girl, so I'm just going to hang out with her as a friend? Like... Because she didn't, because she didn't trust that he wasn't going to put moves on her unless she knew that he was sexually not available. Well, that's just silly, too. (laughs) It's high school. It's how kids thought. (laughs) I suppose. In both this movie and uh, Kingsman, both directed by uh, Matthew Vaughn, they have this whole thing where it's like, okay, this is how it really happened, or really would happen, you know, with kick-ass. Like, this is what would happen if superheroes tried to whatever. And in... Kingsman, there's this whole thing like, oh, we're not like those old school spy things. This, let me tell you how it really oh, happened. Yeah, just saying you're more realistic when really you're only changing like three aspects of the story. Right, exactly. Now, credit where credit's due, at least in the graphic novel of Kick-Ass, they kept it to like, oh, yeah, I can actually, you know, see this whole pretending to be gay thing working sideways on him and ultimately <laughs> getting to where it ultimately does. But in both the movie versions of Kick-Ass and Kingsman, it's like, in the case of Kingsman, you know, oh, we're not like your old, you know, 60s spy movies, but we're still going to be more chauvinistic with the end gag than anything those movies could ever do. So It's comic-y, yeah. It's hypocritical is what it is. I mean, I don't want to criticize him too much because, you know, Matthew Vaughn does make fun movies. Fun being relative, that's okay. (laughs) And 
I don't I don't think you're telling your audience the truth when you're like, this is a more realistic take. Maybe it's like one step up realistic, but it's still nobody's ever heard of anything close to this. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, is there, I suppose we should have looked up, but I mean, has there been cases of vigilantes? I know there have been a few people who've dressed up as Batman and went around and gotten arrested. I think the big like marketing push just kind of came around when Watchmen was happening. And here are some actual heroes that go out and yada, yada, yada. But- oh, there is a documentary on it called, I think, Superheroes. And I watched half of it before realizing that just like real life vigilantes, they're just a little bit depressing to look at. Because uh, yes. a, a lot of them don't get into it. for It's not that what they're doing is, is wrong, because they're trying to be civil servants, but in a costume. It's just that they get into it for mostly the wrong reasons. They get into it kind of because they want an excuse to beat people up. Yeah, I can see how that's a whole thing. <clears throat> Batman. Yeah, it's Batman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can imagine they must not be very successful if we haven't heard about them. Like, you know if there was a vigilante in real life who actually like helped people and did good things we would we would know about it i feel like there's there's charity groups charity groups who are just like cosplayers they're not vigilantes but they just like dress up and then like go to children's hospitals oh oh yeah and hopefully don't beat people up there no 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 no. (laughs) they just they just make costumes and it's fun and it's they they go to comic people like that go to comic cons all the time but that's Uh, like completely different than being like oh i'm gonna like go out in the middle of the night and like stop this bank robbery or whatever (laughs) it is very different i'm sorry (laughs) uh why don't you just uh what's this note you have here oh brad pitt produced this movie and it kind of blew my mind do you that have is any kind of ridiculous? Do you have any context? No, it's it doesn't need context. Brad Pitt <laughs> produced Kick Ass, and that is just weird as hell. Well, I mean, was he involved in the movie, or did he just like throw money their way? Probably the latter. Okay. I can't I can't imagine Brad Pitt's creative input on Kick Ass. All right. Well, then it was good enough to get a sequel. So we have now Kick Ass Two. Wait, before we move on to Kick-Ass 2, can I tell you the two most memorable things for me about Kick-Ass? Of course. The comic book store that they hang out in is awesome. Like, that store is amazing, and I would love to open a store based off of that. Was it like a and, mixture comic book store slash coffee shop? Right, exactly, which I think is the coolest thing, and I don't know. I know there are a few of those out there, but I don't know why it's not more common. Uh, and secondly, aren't his two best friends the two people who end up playing Quicksilver later? No, he does. Um, no, he oh, and Oh, he does, his that's friend. right. And then his friend. He and his friend. Yeah. And they're both Quicksilvers, which I think is funny. There's an image circulating of a shot of them in the movie and then the two Quicksilvers below it. And it's kind of amazing. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. And so those, for me, obviously shows how much I liked that movie because those were the two most memorable parts of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Kick-Ass 2. No subtitle. Quick note on the subtitle. It was formerly known as Balls to the Wall. I'm not kidding. Oh, yeah. I remember <laughs> that. I remember that being the working title. <laughs> Balls to the Wall. So, Kick-Ass 2 is a big step up in terms of action and raunchiness and how much more we can get away with in this comic book. It starts out sort of just building off the story of Kick-Ass 1. Because of Kick-Ass's fame, more people are dressing up like vigilantes, going out at night and stopping crimes in ridiculous outfits. 
Um, everything seems fine. Hit Girl is having like a crisis of conscience because she's living with her previously thought dead mother, and she's trying to build a connection with her, but at the same time retiring from her Hit Girl persona. But she can't do that because she's a sociopath, because all she's been trained to do is fight crime, and that'll make you a sociopath very fast. And it doesn't get raunchy until Red Mist comes back in vengeance for his father with a new name, thank you Mark Miller, called The Motherfucker. Take a moment and laugh. I know it's a three-year-old joke by now. But you called a character the motherfucker. That that's the sound of me not really laughing. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not fun. It's okay. And the motherfucker does not pull any punches. He starts hiring criminals with his dad's old money. And I kid you, did they use this name in the movie or something? What do you remember what they called his group in the movie? Because Kickass joins Justice Forever. I I I'm pretty sure that they use this title in the movie as well. Okay, and this title, the name of Motherfucker's team is called the Toxic Mega Cunts. That's kind of funny. Come Again, on. why? <laughs> <laughs> this is just, this is, Miller You're, loves to push the envelope. That's why we're doing this. Yeah. Here, give me a minute while I just go gather some crickets every time <laughs> we come up with a new thing so I can just... <laughs> a new name for all of Mark Miller's characters. Literally, the, the protagonist is called Kick-Ass. Yeah, that's true. Let's take a step true. back. God, is it just me, or does like the topic of rape show up way more often in Mark Miller comic Ooh. books than it Ooh. ever should? I'm glad we yep. got to this, yep. Because yep, yep. uh, let, me, let me get... Because the, there's a scene where um, Motherfucker and his, his toxic mega cunts go and assault a suburban neighborhood and... Ugh, kick ass's crush katie who's not even his girlfriend or even close but they do it anyway just to get vengeance on him for killing red miss's father but what did you want to say about this skyler oh no i i'm just opening it up for the whole topic of rape in mark miller's thing i mean it, it's I, one thing to include rape but it's another thing to do it in like in a way that isn't like progressive towards the topic he's just using it as a plot point right basically what i want is like you know someone to tell me about the instances he's done this and you know someone who's more learned in the whole comics of the thing because i remember this came up like last summer and he was like yeah it's just a plot point there's no greater uh, meaning to it and well, there's a, it's a it's great motivation for a plot point but also it's kind of it's it's a real touchy subject and it's an easy way out as far as the plot point goes like it's just like oh we want something that's going to be like that's going to have a a reaction let's Shocking. put rape in there like oh that sounds good but yeah. that's like what it's you what everybody does and it's so frustrating yeah so, you have now, to, there's a lot of emotional aspects that come with that mm -hmm. with that act so what I'm hearing is it's very shallow and kind of done for shock when he does it, pretty yeah, much. I mean, I think there are ways he could do it better. I honestly think. And it's just, I don't like how it's become a theme in, in this, like, something that you can almost expect to happen at least once in a, yeah. in a Miller book. Yeah, that's kind of creepy. And just from how you're describing it, it does kind of take away the implications of it mm. for more of just a surface 
experience, which is... And when you use it as, like, the way he's using it in this book, okay, you have one group of people who's mad at a person. Katie has nothing to do with either of this, but she ends up being the victim here. And, like, the idea that, like, them raping Katie is going to be their way of attacking Kickass. Like, that's just so, it's so frustrating. And I know that it's, like, something that, like, potentially could be realistic in the world, which is sad, too. But just, the way, I don't know, the way Miller does it, it just doesn't handle that well. There's, like, no follow-up on it, either. Yeah. Uh, it, they just go right next into the next crappy thing that happens in Kickass's life is that this, this, suburban massacre that happens gets blamed on kick-ass so they find out who he is and his his dad takes the blame um they find out where he lives and his dad takes the blame his dad claims to be kick-ass which of course makes no sense size difference wise (laughs) um but they take it anyway and then his dad is murdered in jail by the motherfucker's crew and so you have another thing where they just are did you just keep piling on this motivation that Kickass needs to to fight this guy, and you know there's a big assault in Manhattan. In the movie, I think they just did it in a warehouse or something like that. Yeah, that's what I recall. Yeah, where Kickass just gets all of the New York City vigilantes, air quotes, and motherfucker brings all of his criminal hired mercenaries, and they just brawl it out in Manhattan. And then um, the book ends with Hit, uh, Hit Girl going to jail, Kick-Ass going away, and uh, the motherfucker being pretty much crippled. Oh, wow. That's the conclusion. I forgot how they ended it in the movie. Didn't he, Didn't everybody end up okay in the film? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Except, of course, you know, motherfucker who I think fell off the side of a building. Well, Don't know if he's crippled or not. <laughs> you know, making it ambiguous. Because there is a Kick-Ass 3 comic book, and it's just... Adding on more to the story, the uh, bread miss uncle comes into town and stuff, and hit girl and kick ass murder more mob bosses, and that's really pretty much it. Um, more raunchy, fun business. Hit girl has to break <laughs> out of jail too, and stuff like that. Didn't they get rid of the uh, uncle already in the second movie? Uncle Rocco, the Ice Man. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I watched it, and I gotta say, uh, the opinions. I know you very much dislike Kick Ass to the movie, Skyler. Do you yeah. give it like a two out of ten? Uh, uh, that's that's about right, actually. Yeah. Okay. I give it like a four and a half. I still th- I still think moments of it were fun because the moments were just Mother Russia was going to town on those cops, and you just have to accept that this is just comical violence, not in any way serious. Because I hate how they flip flop between like this is a serious aspect. This is just comical violence. It's like, what are you going for here? Exactly. You can't really yeah. have both. And just for good measure, vomit jokes, because, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't love vomit jokes? Everyone. <laughs> I honestly think that the Hit Girl character, like, if someone wrote that who wasn't Mark Miller uh, and took her character and, like, explored, like, you know, being brought up to be a trained assassin, like, you've got to have some stuff going on <laughs> like that that's gonna that's gonna mess you up so i think it would be really interesting to see someone else's take on that the most notable character similar to that is in dc comics and that is the son of batman damian wayne damian wayne or oh. you know like black widow has some of that going on as well mm-hmm. and her origin like her books are really interesting too um let's move on to the last movie on our list for the podcast today and that is Kingsman, The Secret Service, came out last... Oh, they came out this year. 
this year. Just came out on video the other week. Uh, ooh, don't date yourself. No. <laughs> so why don't we just say it came out in 2015? Because uh, hopefully people will be listening to our podcast throughout the years. In the book, it's another six-issue series done by Mark Miller and drawn by Dave Gibbons from Watchmen fame. The Watchmen man himself. And I really – that dude's art is pretty awesome, I got to say. It uh, is. It's just something – I mean, you just got to pick it up to look at the pictures. But in this book, it's – again, it seems that you just have like with the Mark Miller books turned into movies, you get kind of a very similar first act. Maybe a little bit like a premise tweak in the second act. And the third act is just morphed to fit whatever is better for a movie format. Is what it sounds like. Because comic books have to end more ambiguously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that they can warrant... It's much cheaper to get a comic book sequel than it is a movie sequel. And so sometimes... With the movies, you can have a little bit of ambiguity at the end. But most of the time, things need to wrap up because it's a tale. And there's right. no... You can't really expect more. You shouldn't most of the time. Unless it's a part one movie. Which... Uh, which thank you, Hollywood. What, <laughs> what isn't these days? But. <laughs> uh, so in... The, it's not called Kingsman, but it's in the book it's called Secret Service, and it stars, of course, Gary, uh, who's never called Eggsy in the book. That's just his nickname in the movie, which is a sweet nickname, I gotta say. Um, I will give props to that nickname. Yeah, it's like, what's up, Eggsy? Oh, <laughs> I could be called that. I could dig that. Uh, he's recruited by his uncle to join the Secret Service, a group of super spies. Actually, in the very first scene, you know how in the movie you have Mark Hamill plays a... Uh, some sort of scientist that's being rescued by a service member, a Kingsman. In the book, it's actually Mark Hamill being kidnapped and being rescued by a Secret Serviceman. Nice. Um, it's part of. Why that. did they not do that in the movie? It didn't serve the plot. I'll get oh, to okay. that. There's a bit of a plot difference. Like I said, they changed the second act up, like plot-wise, because Mark Miller's premises put a lot of importance on comic book nerds. And mm-hmm. the movies don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, and so Mark Hamill's being kidnapped, and an agent comes to rescue him and fails to do so when he takes a snowmobile off a cliff and his parachute malfunctions, and they both die a harrowing death. Oh. Which is Mark Miller humor, where your crickets. <laughs> That's a great cricket sound. It's just, what are you, just rubbing two blocks of wood together? <laughs> no, just the, the soles of my feet. <laughs> so, in this story, Eggsy trains. Is someone's got a train in the background? <laughs> Sorry, that, yeah. I, it's, I think it's, no, that's definitely the train. I live right by train tracks. Let's just take a moment and listen to the train tracks. <laughs> All right, back into it. So, Eggsy is trained by the Secret Service. And he has a falling out um, with them because he doesn't belong. He has to... The the whole premise is that he, the Secret Service, has to stop this evil mastermind whose plan is to reduce, what is it, like 80% of the world's population <laughs> in the movie. Is He's doing it because the world needs... The world can't sustain this many people. So they need like a new plague or whatever. And he just decides to do it on himself, an eco-terrorist, kind of. And instead of the Samuel L. Jackson character of just like a megalomaniac who cares about the Earth, we have this 23-year-old nerdy megalomaniac 
who instead of rescuing mostly dignitaries, rescues a few dignitaries and mostly celebrities because he's a nerd. That is why Mark Hamill is being kidnapped at the beginning of the book. Ah, that makes sense. So he's kidnapping people like Ridley Scott, David Beckham, and Patrick (laughs) Stewart. Oh, God. But it's, it's kind of a fun nod that Mark Hamill was being kidnapped at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, wasn't. that's cool that they at least let him play that part. Mm-hmm. They gave him right. a character to play instead of himself. But he's trained that you do not get the expansive team chemistry that is displayed in the film. A, like a lot of interaction with his teammates and, the, of course, the female love interest. Not really love interest. I take that back. She was not that much of a love interest in the movie. But that chemistry no. is not there. But he still gets them to come with him to raid the base in stopping the evil nerd guy and they assault the lair. They have that same plan where they're going to take a space balloon up to like the stratosphere and shoot a rocket at a satellite. But that plan fails in the book. They missed the satellite and instead someone hacks the computer. One of the students hacks, well, one of the juniors hacks the computer so that so that instead of everybody wanting to kill each other after they get that radio signal through their cell phones, they all want to kiss each other. And it's 15 minutes of peace and love instead of 15 minutes of drastic hate. And that's hmm. how the book ends. Wait, if they miss the satellite, then how does the frequency still go out? Uh, the frequency still hits the satellite because it was never damaged. Uh, and then... uh, oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> I understand. Sorry. They didn't, they didn't blow it up. Like, that was okay. plan A. Okay. Plan B was to hack it, and they managed okay. to hack it because that's much easier to portray. He just types some numbers and letters into a computer and magic. But, Skyward, could you give me a little bit more details about the film and its difference? Okay, so as far as the movie's difference, a uh, movie goes for more of kind of a James Bondy feel in that it kind of sort of hints at those movies just a little bit in the dialogue. We're not like your old traditional spy movies. We're new age spy films. Right, with McDonald's instead of, I don't know. I don't know what that crap is about. more social media references. Oh yes, that whole. And pop culture. I do have a bone to pick with this film because as much as I enjoyed the action sequences, that whole like Colin Firth killing 30 people to the song of Freebird at one point was yeah. was pretty cool. I'll give them that. It's cool. I, again, you know, take a step back and just recognize it's comic-y violence, all right? It doesn't it serves nothing but to be a cool thing to look at. And it was. It was. But Eggsy's I have such a bone to pick because Eggsy's journey is the whole time they're like we need to bring in a new kind of spy and I think Eggsy's just the man. He's this. He's got new ideas for the Secret Service, the Kingsmen, because whatever we're doing isn't working, and it's going to get us all killed. But in the end, Eggsy becomes a carbon copy of his uncle. Hmm. Literally the same thing. He didn't change at all. I mean, he changed from being a street rat to a secret agent, but he became the exact same secret agent of his uncle. Nothing changed. So I was really ticked at the journey of the character. <laughs> but that's just me and like my film criticism going like Nyeh. I get it. Speaking of which, I do have real problems with that uh, scene with Colin Firth and the uh, Freebird. Because it's like, yes, I'm sure it's supposed to be, you know, fun cartoon violence, but at the same time it's like 
you know, they introduce this bigotry and whatnot at this church. And then it's like your nine-year-old nephew comes up. I, I've got the answer. It, it, the, the man just comes in with the guns and he, he kills them all. The free bird. Yeah. Dude, that's just it's cool. Like, I mean, come on. No, it's fucking juvenile. I and think I thought it was pretty cool. It's juvenile and mean-spirited, and it just turns the whole thing into, like, uh, something that squanders its whole potential. Ju- Julia, I know you haven't seen the film, but what do you think? Well, I really... it. This movie kind of is interesting to me because my I have a comic book book club, and there's, like, a couple people in my book club who are just all about this movie. Like, they saw it, like, four times in theaters. They've read the, the book, and they were trying to get everyone else to see it, too. And everything I heard about the movie made me feel like it wouldn't be the type of movie that these people would, uh, that I know would like because it seemed like it was all about the violence. Like, it was just very just, like let's kill people and uh so i don't yeah i don't really know there must have been it must have had something going for it though because they loved it i think it's they creatively kill people in a very actionly fun way you may call it the premise juvenile but i mean we've been making action films for decades and you know they there's only so many action scenes you can do before they get repetitive and boring and i think kingsman brought a whole new set just of of fun action with ridiculous stunts, and I think that was it was very serviceable. Now think about that scene again. If those people hadn't been under the you know radio waves, yes, they'd be you know terrible, hateful people. But would they be people you kill? Like, oh, I don't care about by, that. It was... By all matters, they're still quote unquote innocent people that are just getting completely massacred on screen. Yeah. And um, that was like the plot is like the whole plot was that he was going to murder 80 percent of the population. And yes, we can assume that a lot of those people are innocent. I wanted to honestly, yes, I maybe I'm like some sort of evil financer. I wanted a demonstration. (laughs) I feel like Michael's coming at it from like a. That was really cool, and they did, like, really innovative stuff with the action where, Skylar, you're coming at it as, like, a, okay, maybe the it looked cool, but the plot makes no sense and isn't really, like, doesn't jive. I guess Suspe- that's fair suspension enough. Suspension of belief. Yeah. It's, I, I think mine extends a little bit farther. <laughs> in some aspects, that may make me a little bit more naive, but in others... I have I I enjoy what I watch <laughs> more. I enjoy plenty of things, just not ones that uh, badass action scenes. <laughs> uh, it wasn't even that well filmed. It was just a bunch of shaky cam nonsense for five minutes. <laughs> I think that cho- oh, I think that choreography was really dope. I'll be honest. Just <laughs> all right. We should we should close it out. I know we're getting we're getting at each other's a little bit throats here. Thank you for being a mediator, Julia. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> we need we need that third person dynamic. Otherwise, Skyward <laughs> and I, if we go back to episode one where I loved Guardians of the Galaxy and he despised it. What? <laughs> I, I didn't despise movie. <laughs> it. It was it was just meh at best. <laughs> okay. See, this is what I have to work with. <laughs> Feel a little bit of the pain. All right. Is there anything else you want to say uh, about Kingsman, the Secret Service? A sequel is in the works. I, I would enjoy another sequel. I don't know if I'd pay to watch it in theaters again. I probably would. Oh, shut up, Michael. <laughs> I think that's going to be it today. It's going to wrap Ooh. it up. Superhero Movie Club is produced by Malpal Freelance Media Productions. 
If you like what you hear, show us your support by rating us on iTunes. And it doesn't cost you a penny, and it will mean everything to us. And make sure to like us on Facebook to keep us up to keep up to date with us throughout each week. To keep us up to date. If you keep like the Facebook, yeah, yes. you should send us things on our Facebook page so that we're up to date. We live under a rock. <laughs> we're going backwards in film time, so we we aren't covering anything modern now. <laughs> right. We're we're stuck in 2008, baby. <laughs> we're going down. Uh, right. SHM. I'm yelling timber. Stop. <laughs> SHMC also keeps up an active Twitter feed at, at SuperheroMC. So follow us and send us your questions, comments, and we're doing this new thing where you give us a custom sign off, uh, which we will give at the end of every episode this week. So, Julia, is there anything you'd like to plug? You can follow me on Twitter as well. My Twitter handle is J. Handle, goodness, uh, is J underscore Woodchuck. Um, I tweet about yeah, I tweet about comics a lot. So if you want to hear me talk about my opinions on comics, follow me there. And Skyler, I know you have a blog. Oh yes, I uh, I have a blog. I'm meaning to write on said blog, but you can follow me at shoutsmamovies.com where I do movies and comic book movies and sometimes other stuff when I feel the need to. All right. So that's going to do it today. Uh, we have no custom sign-offs this week, so uh, we just, we're waiting for people to come talk to us. Julia, make up a custom sign-off. Can you? Sorry for putting you on the Hooray! spot. Hooray! Oh, <laughs> Thank okay. you for listening, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks for having me on, guys. This has been fun. Thank you so much yeah, for thank being you. here, Julia. Yeah. That'll do it today. I'm your host, Michael Maurer. And James Keller-Hartzma. And Julia Walchuk. I hope you all have a super week. Oh,